Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, 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 everybody. It's Holden back here again with The Sober Unicorn. Hope everybody's having an absolutely incredible day. And if you're not, hopefully your day gets better. Don't ever hesitate to reach out to us here at Sober Unicorn or uh, or if any of the guests have ever shared their social medias, don't ever hesitate to reach out to them. So today we are being joined by Casey. Hello, Casey. Hey, Holden. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. And yourself? I'm doing amazing. I'm very blessed. That's what, all I can say is um, I'm always blessed. Yes. So Casey and I actually met um, via Instagram. Um I, I think it was, I, I put a uh, guest call, like, it's probably been a year now, and mm-hmm. I had such an overwhelming response to that. I expected maybe, like, three to five people reach out, maybe able to knock out those episodes, but thankfully, I had, like, probably almost 40 to 60 people reach out. Wow. And now, and then, of course, like, literally I think like a week after that uh, call I ended up relapsing so of course now I'm like sifting through my Instagram messages one by one um, starting to reach out to everybody that that reached out to us so I reached out to you and you were very happy and excited to come on and yeah kind of give every share your story with everybody so why don't you um, I mean let's just kind of start with the beginning so before we get into the, the episode of uh, the topic wise, uh, kind of share with everybody like the struggle of addiction that you went through um, and what made you want to get clean sober. Well, I have a few different sober stories and, um, you know, I started drugs at the age and it was just taking, you know, over the counter medications like, you know, Coracetin, NyQuil, Benadryl, and then it moved to like op- opiate or painkillers, um, and then meth, ecstasy, cocaine. The first sober story I have with, you know, the hardcore drugs, um, I was in a situation where somebody had taken three tabs and drank a whole case of alcohol, and uh, they were unconscious on the couch, and I was um, having to decide whether or not to call the cops and save this person's life or to get us all in trouble. And I chose not, I chose to never be in that situation again. <laughs> and around the same time, I had taken ecstasy like three days in a row, and I had my first seizure um, at work. And then I basically substituted everything for alcohol and uh, here and there I would do dabble a little into like Adderall and painkillers and stuff, but um, mostly alcohol was my thing. And the first, the second sober sober story that I have, um, I had quit every at once for somebody else. Of course that didn't last, but um, I started having seizures. I had quit caffeine cigarettes and alcohol um and then that person left my life and then I started drinking and smoking again and then I had dabbled into acid I had another seizure um and then I just stuck with alcohol and then 
the last seizure, I started having permanent seizures, but then I went a year without having seizures. And then I um, got into Adderall and that was my last and final seizure. Um, I stayed California sober with marijuana and uh, then um, let's see the last biggest sobriety story. I was going through a lot with a particular friend and um, at the same time I was realizing that I was trying to function as a drunk and do adult things and I was still drinking obsessively and um, I started having resentment towards this friend and I had a lot to say to her uh, but it came off very judgmental um, and you know, my feelings were valid, but I didn't know what my feelings were at the time. I just knew that I felt some hip hypocrisy and resentment. And, you know, I stayed up all night drinking. I wrote up a letter and then I sent that letter and I popped a top and went to work. And with my behavior, the way that I expressed myself, I really regret that. And so that's when I decided that I was done with alcohol. Um, quit alcohol, cigarettes, and caffeine all at the same time. I mean, yeah. quitting, quitting alcohol, well, quitting actually any of those on their own is extremely, extremely difficult. So it's like, how, how the hell did you manage to quit all three at once? I didn't, I didn't know how harmful that was to my body. I, um, I did try, what is that one? Smoke a I tried smoke away and that's how I got off the cigarettes. Um, but then with alcohol and caffeine, I just cold turkeyed it. <laughs> and so I didn't realize that I was having a seizure after I had quit like six different drugs. And the last time that I had a seizure, it like hit me like, oh, <laughs> this is not okay. I, my body can't handle this. So now I know what's waiting on me if I dabble into anything again. That's the one thing I, I recommend to people, especially, um, uh working in treatment I, I finally understood that like alcohol withdrawals and opioids are some of the most dangerous withdrawals that you can go through so the thing is if you're somebody that's thinking about quitting um, alcohol or opioids and you're getting to the point of the shapes and the withdrawals and this um just going a day without like i would highly recommend um to go into some type of detox yeah detox absolutely safely um because again like it's it's very dangerous and i mean alcohol withdrawals is one of the main withdrawals you can actually die from um and like yes. a lot of, I've, I've heard reports of a lot of people seizing um just strictly because of withdrawals yes i mean i cannot imagine my body going into like seizure like that so um after a while it's like your body needs it you know and so to just like take it away you know without any kind of rehab or help it's very dangerous yes so did you seek out rehab the final time or did you just again quit cold turkey no i again i just quit cold turkey you know um <laughs> yeah it's it's not recommended <laughs> i'm alive <laughs> though so i'm thankful <laughs> that's good that's good so of course how how was the beginning of like your recovery journey i mean yeah it's it sounds like you kind of went back and forth with quitting and then going to California sober and then wanting to quit again. So, I mean, are you Cali sober still or are you fully abstinent? 
So um, I smoke marijuana a little bit at night, but not much. I don't rely on it like I used to. Um, every now and then I'll have a glass of wine, but you know, I have a lot of boundaries with that. Um, I don't recommend somebody to do that if, you know, they don't, if they don't have that kind of boundary, you know, like I don't drink if I'm going through something emotionally. Um, I don't have more than, you know, one or two. I don't get shit faced. Um, the obsession there. Is the obsession the obsession is not there anymore for me. And so I can be okay with just one glass. But you know, back in the day, I definitely was not okay trying to control or limit myself, you know, with that. Um, yeah, like recently I lost my father who was living on the streets. He was an alcoholic, and my sister smashed my car window. I got into a huge um disagreement with my aunts about homosexuality about you know homophobia about racism and and about conditioned beliefs and nearly lost the love of my life all in a matter of a month and I am just thankful that I didn't have to get shit-faced through all of that oh 100 percent. because I feel many of us used drinking and drugs as a huge coping mechanism um yes I mean I know for myself like I use it to cope with the sadness of my life but I also use it to celebrate the happiness so I mean I don't think that I would like applause to you being able to uh, go to one glass of wine and be okay because that is something that I would probably for myself never be able to do because like I am that very obsessive compulsive person that yeah the moment I have one I'm like well fuck it like I just had the one like what's another 10 um mm-hmm. and I I mean I would continue until of course blacking out driving again so doing all my right. so <clears throat> how long were you sober until you kind of changed your way of thinking to be able to have that one glass of wine a year and a half so I went uh with no alcohol I did smoke marijuana just because of the seizures you know not obsessively, but um, a year and a half, I went without any alcohol or any substance um, other than marijuana, of course. And how long have you been successfully drinking that one glass of wine without going overboard? I would say um, half of a year. Okay. Six months. Well, which is good. I mean, the thing is, I've seen... I, I've seen people, it seems like, I mean, of course, as you said, your main issue is alcohol, but I mean, you were heavily into other stuff too, a lot of party drugs and opioids. Um, I've seen people that had major opioid addiction kind of use alcohol to come off of that. But then once they got clean, they're able to go back to drinking here and there, but of course, staying away from the opioids. So it's, mm-hmm. it's there's like, again, I mean, that's what like, that's why this podcast, I try to have so many different people because the last episode I had, uh, he deals with ayahuasca, which to many people mm-hmm. in the sober community is not good um, and not seen as sober. But for me, if ayahuasca helps you from like doing that once a year, helps keep a needle out of your arm, if smoking pot yeah. helps keep you from doing heroin and fentanyl, then it's it's debatable and I don't think there's any right or wrong way to sit sober. So 
So Anyways. with ayahuasca, yeah, it's um, a very big plant medicine and a lot of people have a very big spiritual journey on it. I can never do it because it is, you can have a seizure with it, um, but it does help for some people. Absolutely. So I know with my addiction, uh, there was a lot of codependency on men. Um, I... I depended on them to make myself feel loved because I lacked the love for myself. So right. codependency is, is, was a huge factor, at least in my, my uh, addiction. So, I mean, is it the same for you? Yes. So it's, you know, an addiction to people or, you know, a substance for me, it was mostly with people and I totally understand like needing that approval, um, seeking that approval through others. Um, that's part of codependency, you know, I've lived, you know, even after quitting drugs, it doesn't just go away, you know, you still have to like, I still have to catch myself in the moment of thinking, you know, about rescuing or seeking approval, you know, or playing the Captain save -ho, as my girlfriend calls it. <laughs> and um, it's a thing, it's, it really is, uh, there's a lot to break down with codependency, uh, definitely with that seeking approval through others and um, uh, rescuing and saving and needing to be needed. I think as humans, we crave needing to be needed, but it's also there's a, a fine line between wanting to be needed to get fulfillment of self or needing to be wanted to at least just like to be a better version of self because I think in a, re a relationship should be very much so like this other half just helps you become a better person not this better half completes you as a person because mm -hmm. I think we should eventually just complete ourselves and that that's of course with self-care right. self-love self-worth and so on yeah so you know that's what you know I kept ending up in these situations like where I would you know, get with somebody just to help them. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I would give all of myself to these people and, you know, maybe we were only talking for like one day and I'd be moving them into my home and, you know, bending over backwards and, you know, trying to save them before I ever try to save myself. Yeah. I mean, there was this, I remember this drug dealer that I used to um, see a date whatever you would want to call it and he was of course really strong on heroin and xanax and so on and i remember literally having him at my home smoking meth together being like babe i just i want you to get clean like let me help you detox um and if you would just get clean we could be together literally while i'm hitting a meth pipe yeah and there's several times that i in my life hit up friends that were struggling that I was of course using at the time and I'm just like you know you should really look into getting clean because it's like I see you're going down this dark path of destruction and they're like yeah you're right you're right and then all of a sudden I'm like I turn the script I'm like but do you got something I could buy from you <laughs> yeah 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 definitely trying to help others before helping ourselves you know um for sure hundred percent. I, I think codependency also sends there's more than could have been codependent on another person. Um I became very 
I would I wouldn't call it codependent, but dependent on the drug to help with confidence. Because the thing is, yes, I'm a very liquid courage. yes. Well, it was for me the, the the alcohol didn't make me courageous in the romance aspect. The meth did. Like, Yeah. I did not care if I was rejected, if I was told, no, you're too fat, you're too this, you're too that. Like, I was just immediately, all right, bye, girl, let's go on to the next person. And so, It made it easier to handle all those emotions. exactly. I mean, it's, and run away from those emotions, because Yeah. the, the first thing that, like, would happen when getting clean for myself, at least, like, all the emotions that I had been running from Yeah. just hit me in the face. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just going our my entire life, like running from my emotions and to the point where I couldn't identify them. Like now I use an emotional will um, to help identify my emotions because it's not easy after going your whole life without it, without finding and validating your own emotions. And then one day waking up like, you know, with all these emotions, you know, and you can't like sort through them or even know what they are. Very hard. Exactly. So your current girlfriend, how long have y'all been together? Me and my girlfriend have been together since 2021? And were you in it? Okay. <laughs> um, 2020? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. 2020. Sorry. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble. trouble. <laughs> um, so... At that time that y'all were together, <laughs> were you still a codependent person? so, um, yes, uh, Codependency was something that was being shown to me in the beginning of 2020, because I kind of like I ended up in a really hard situation and um, I threw my hands up and I said, why do I keep ending up in the same situation? And so I was just coming around to understanding what codependency was. I didn't really fully understand codependency until like 2021, 2022. Um, but yeah, did that answer your question? So how did you, yeah, no, 100%. So like, how did you navigate, say, getting into a relationship, being codependent on the person, but then learning your codependent behaviors, becoming dependent, but still being able to like rely on that person, if that makes sense? Well, um, well, she has her own story. Uh, she already knew what that was and had already started to work on those things for herself. Um, for me, it was like stopping myself um, before trying to save and Captain save a hoe. Um, you know, we were friends for the longest time before we got together. Um, but like definitely setting boundaries, you know, um, finding my emotions and expressing those with her and um letting go of like control and and you know everybody has their own way to do something and letting them do it their own way you know um giving advice you know uh she'll ask me like you know are you just venting or do you want my opinion and you know instead of just like inserting uh your opinion or onto somebody else you know she's really kind of helped me out with that a lot um So it seems cuz like she has her own experience with that. So it's like when she sees that you're possibly acting out on that, she can like kind of reel you back in.
Well, um, I think we both do that for each other, but it's more important whenever we do that for ourselves. Um, you know, like I have to push myself to ex to express my emotions and to express what I need. Uh, she can't do that for me, right? And so, um, you know, I have a very avoidant uh, attachment style in the past. And so I would just avoid and and hope it went away, but it never went away. And so the point of it is, is to move to a healthy attachment style. Well, you know, like, how do you do that? Well, you know, you find what you need, you find your emotions, you express to, you know, the people around you or your partner and, and, um, and uh, set boundaries, you know, um, for sure. Boundaries seem to be like a huge key. I mean, I think everybody that mm -hmm. I brought onto the episode, the show has always mentioned the word boundaries. Always. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what boundaries were, you know, and I was giving so much of myself, you know, it's really like the world sees like this, it's the hallmark of false love codependency because it's people are praised to overextend themselves even whenever it's harmful to them um and that being some kind of love but indeed it's codependency it's it's not love you know and so i would end up in situations where i was overextending myself and um doing all this for other people then i would feel unappreciated and and but I never sat boundaries. You know, I had a friend who, you know, I'm in forty thousand dollars worth of debt because of um, you know, getting her loan after loan after credit card after car all in my name so that I could help her out. Um, but I never said no. I never set a boundary, you know. So I and essentially I allowed myself to be that used, you know. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, there's a guy that I was super interested in I call him taco man to this day because every time I'd be like "Ooh, let's hang out like blah 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 he'd be like oh yeah let's hang out but I'm like totally hungry you can go get some like tacos on the way to the house and like it came to a point where I had to draw that boundary where it's like dude I can't continue to like financially support your food or drinking habits like mm -hmm. to just to be able to spend time with you it's either do you want right. to spend time with me or do you don't so it's like it was crazy enough as once the the financial gain on his end was cut off the friendship somewhat tapered down and the hanging out slowed down so um for you um it's kind of like a weird course change in subjects but um like I know that there's a lot of people in our lives that have made like big impacts whether it's in our like personal life or in like social media um, or like co life coach speaker, stuff like that. So who kind of impacted uh, your recovery and like your self-betterment journey? So uh, Nicole Lepra, um, she is a holistic uh, psychologist and um, I got to learn a lot about the patterns and cycles with inside me and my family and where I kind of learned these things from, um, you know, this started for me as a child. I would take the blame for my siblings so that they wouldn't get the beating. And then, you know, my sister, who is very mentally sick, I would always try to save her. And then I took that out into the world and found people like her to try to save them as well. 
And um, Nicole Lepra has been so helpful. I've read some of her books. There, It's very much self-help, um, how to do the work. And uh, she has a Facebook account as well. Uh, she posts many different things about psychology because codependency is, you know, a psychological pattern. And so she's been very helpful, Nicole Lepra. And then just from you know, like Brene Brown about, she's a researcher on emotions. She's an emotional researcher. I wish she would do a, an emotional will because, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotions. There's like 87 or plus emotions. And a lot of times we just stick to happy, mad, sad, angry, but you know, there's a lot behind anger. It's not that you're just angry. It's a secondhand emotion. You know, what's behind the anger? Is it jealousy? Is it revenge? Is it hostility? Is it um, disgust? There's so many things uh, behind that. And so Brene Brown has helped. I've read her book, um, How to, what, um, The Atlas of the Heart. Um, and Abraham Hicks, uh, she's kind of on the spiritual side, but she like teaches how to work the emotional will if you're stuck in like worry and fear how to how do you move that to to hopefulness and and excitement and enthusiasm um and also Christina Lopes has helped me tremendously on my journey uh those the last two Abraham Hicks and Christina Lopes are spiritual so you know that's a whole nother story <laughs> but yeah it's really helped me a lot I think, as you said, like being, there's so many different emotions that we focus on certain ones. I have found when it comes to anger uh, for myself that most of the time it's my anger stems from expectations I put on other people that they did not meet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. number one, why should I be putting any expectation on anybody? Like, Absolutely. the only person I should ever put an expectation on is myself. <laughs> Right. But um, it's, emotions are insane. I, I feel in it's being able to identify well, the emotions too. Yeah. It's, it's part, emotions are a part of the human experience. You know, it's, you know, being told as a child, you know, shut up or I'll give you something to cry about, you know, that, you know, teaches to stuff our emotions to where, you know, later on we can't identify them. And so it's important to feel each and every emotion. There is not one that's, you know, negative or positive. Like, you know, I like to see it all as, you know, it is. And for like Ram Das says, he's a spiritual influencer. He says, I can do nothing for you except work on myself. And I love this quote so much because, you know, I can't do anything for anyone if I'm not helping myself first, you know, um, I'm sorry, I went off the subject. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Because, I mean, again, that, that ties into, like, emotions and self-betterment. Because I think that's why any of us um, go into recovery. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, does addiction ruin lives? Of course it does. And it kills kills many, many people. But the thing is, is, like, many of us went into addiction because we didn't know how to handle our emotions. Right, Absolutely. And now that we're clean, sober, whatever the term you want to use, like, it's the emotions that we're able to deal with now, we're able to see clear, or we're able to identify them, we're able to understand why we're coping with them or dealing with them, and be able to, like, push forward. Mm-hmm. 
So, but um, anyways, but uh, before we come to the close of the episode, um, is there anything that you haven't stated that you would like to tell everybody? I would just like to say that, you know, forgiving yourself is really important. Um, using the whip, you know, whipping yourself is, it doesn't help. It makes it worse. So learn how to forgive yourself. There's a prayer I say, it's um, Pono prayer. It says, you know, you tell yourself, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And, um, you know, I believe we can heal ourselves, you know, if depending on how, you know, much courage and um, strength we have. And um, you know, uncomfortability for me equals growth. And I'm not talking like if somebody makes you uncomfortable not to leave, like, of course, leave. But, you know, for me with the avoidant attachment style that I have, you know, like, it's uncomfortable for me to to express myself and my needs and and my emotions. And so I, I push myself into that, you know, uncomfortable position of expressing myself, because that equals growth to me. And, um, you know, the only way out is through, you know, you can't avoid it. I can't avoid it any longer. You know, it, it, the only way out is through. <laughs> so Yeah. The two things I've always heard is the, it's the art of the art of being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation because mm-hmm. life is always going to be uncomfortable and it's being okay with that. And, mm-hmm. um, the other one is it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Because we're going to deal with many emotions in our life. And it's like, it's totally okay to be crying. It's okay to be sad and in your room. It's yeah. It's just whatever emotions hit you on a daily, like our minds work such weird ways and we're triggered. Our emotions are triggered by so many different things in life. Like it's totally okay to watch the notebook and just fucking boohoo cry your yeah, eyes out. Yeah, and cry. <laughs> yeah, let it out. Don't don't try to hold it in. It it hurts the body whenever you hold it in. It really does. Um also, you know, learn to pause and before reacting. Um that was a big one for me. Uh just pausing and you know, um meditating <laughs> was clearing the mind you know of all this junk that we assume and just go down the rabbit hole over and over again like just pause and just take a breath no, everything's 100%. always okay yes. and working out in our best interest um Taking there was something else so important yeah life doesn't ever slow down um, no, it keeps running. It keeps hitting. <laughs> yes, it was crazy as I was reading something the other day stating that like there's something to do with like the universe, the way the planets are moving right now, that like are causing our days to feel shorter. Yeah, and that is the truth because I mean most people here probably do multiple things in their life. It's just like no matter how much I wake up early, no matter how late I stay awake, like. I just it just doesn't seem to have enough time in the day what do you mean like I just it's there I don't think that there's like enough time in the day and I feel like the days are starting to like feel shorter to me I used to wake up at noon and go to bed at midnight and have plenty of time for my day and whatever I needed to get done but now it's like I'm waking up at eight in the morning going to bed at midnight one in the morning and I'm like 
wait, where did the day go? Like, I still have things to get done. Yeah, so I kind of feel that too. I started waking up at like three to five in the morning to be able to get everything in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, it's no, intense. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I could never. So, did you find the thing you were missing? Yeah, um, you know, it's not necessarily that I was missing anything. I just needed to to find time to. Uh, do my morning yoga and exercise routine and meditation routine. And I couldn't do that by waking up at eight and having to jump out the door to go to work and then come home and cook and clean and all this stuff, you know, so I had to find time uh, to, to do those things. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Casey, for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful day. Oh, can I share one more thing? Yeah, of course. So for me, one of the biggest things about codependency was um, was how harmful, finding how harmful it was for me, but also how I was hindering other people and their growth, you know, because I would go in these situations saying, you know, they couldn't handle this or, you know, I'm just going to do it for them. And, you know, it, I, I was taking away their ability to make their own decision and um, to their own feelings and emotions, um, how they needed to be able to make their own decision for their own growth or and or depletion. And so it's important to really for me to get out of that mindset. Um, anyhow, I hope you have a wonderful day, too. And thank you for having me on your show. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober-owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober-owned. And remember, everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn. 